Well, good morning, New Cove. It's so good to see you. I'm so glad that you've made the effort to be here. And those of you online, thank you for making this a priority. So if you've been with us over the last several months, we've been looking through the book of Mark, the first part of Mark that we've been looking through on a daily basis is looking at who Jesus is. And then on weekends, we've been looking at who, why Jesus came and what you're going to hear this morning, what you will hear on Good Friday uh, at 7 o'clock, what you will hear at 6.30 in the morning for those of you that come. And bring, uh, by the way, uh, bring your chairs, your lawn chairs, okay? That would be helpful to know. Uh, what you will hear at 6.30 and what you will hear at 9.30, it all culminates in why Jesus came. One of the things I want to do this morning is to not rush through uh, the story that many of us have heard. My prayer and my concern is that familiarity leads to apathy. And that can happen to those of us who've been followers of Jesus for a long time. We hear the story, we appreciate the story, but we kind of just grow a little cold to it. And I don't want to rush through this this morning. And so uh, what I want to do is I want us to have uh, appreciation for what Jesus went through for us as we move towards celebrating next Easter. In John Mark Comer's book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, he talks about different ways to pray. And what I'd like to do is throw these questions up on the, uh, on the board and have you pray them specifically before we jump into the passage. Those questions are, Jesus, is there anything you want to say to me today? Is there anything you want me to do today? Is there anyone you want me to bless today? If so, in what way? And what would be honoring to you today, Father? So let's take just a few moments, and if you will pray, pray privately and let God speak to you to, to develop your heart to hear what we're about to go through this morning. Father, as we look at what you went through leading up to the cross, I pray that we would read it again for the first time and that we would be moved and that you would speak to us. So whatever you want to say to us today, we say, speak, Lord, for your servants here. And Father, I pray for those who are not yet followers of Jesus, may today be the day that they are overwhelmed with your goodness and your love and your pursuit. Father, I pray for those of us that have been followers of Jesus for a long time. God, may our hearts be stirred once again. And Father, I pray that whatever apathy or lack of appreciation may be there, God, I pray you remove that pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So previously at New Cove, at one night, on one night, all in one night, Jesus is betrayed by Judas. He is disowned by Peter. He's arrested by the temple guards. He's before Caiaphas, the high priest. Jesus is mocked. He's spat upon. He's beaten. And I want us to take note of what was going on while all of this was taking place. It's found in Mark chapter 14, if you have your Bibles, you'll want to turn to that. If you use the Bibles in the seat pockets, page 1020. I'll give you a moment to find that. 
You're welcome to take that Bible home, or if you know someone who needs it, please take it. Mark 14, 53. So while Jesus is going through this arrested, being arrested by the temple guard, and he's being mocked and spat upon and beaten, they took Jesus to the high priest and all the chief priests, the elders and teachers of the law came together. Notice I want us to look at what Peter, what happened to Peter. Peter followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. He sat there with the guards and he warmed himself. So first he follows at a distance, then he's up a little closer, he's warming himself. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene Jesus, she said, but he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about. And he said and went out, and he said that and went out of the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, This fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near, uh, near said to Peter, Surely you're one of them, for you're Galilean. He began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. Why am I sharing this bit of story leading up to Jesus' crucifixion? Because all of us in some way, in some manner, have a tendency to not pursue Christ or even to deny him in some way. We can find ourselves compromising. I think I want us to look at what does Jesus think about us when we've gotten off track? And should we be filled with shame? It doesn't say Peter was filled with shame. It just says that he broke down and he wept. He was convicted. Now, I want to jump ahead and take us to the, the morning of Easter. Jesus has already risen, and uh, I want us to look at Mark 16, verses 6 and 7 for just a moment. We won't have time on Easter morning uh, to cover this part that I'm about to cover, but I want you to know this. So the women are at the, at the grave. Jesus is not there. Don't be alarmed, the angel said. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who is crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter. Go and tell his disciples and Peter. Is Peter not a disciple? Yes, he is. And I just love the fact that here Jesus is going through all of these things and he's being denied by his clo- one of his closest friends, being denied. And many of us have fallen into that character uh, of of not pursuing Christ the way we should. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't get in Peter's face. He just says, tell, he tells the angel, be sure you tell the ladies, go and tell his disciples that I am alive and tell Peter. What I want you to know is Jesus is pursuing you. It doesn't matter how far away you've gotten from Christ. He's just one prayer of confession away. He loves you. He's pursuing you. It's never too late to turn to Jesus on this side of eternity. So when we get to this part, 
you ought to be smiling Sunday morning. Because all of us are like Peter, and I want you to know that Sunday morning we won't have time to look at it. But when we get to this part, and I happen to read, and I will read, tell his disciples and Peter, I just want you to look up and smile. And that's just between you and me, all right? Smile instead of your normal yawn. Okay, so let's back up. Jesus hadn't risen yet, but he was pursuing you. And he knew before the foundation that you would be here this morning and that you would hear this story that he's pursuing you. All right, so Mark 15, verse 1. Jesus has been betrayed by Judas. He's been disowned by Peter. He's been arrested by the temple guard. He's been before uh, the high priest. Jesus is mocked. He's spat upon and beaten. Very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders and the teachers of the law and the whole Sanhedrin reached a decision. They bound Jesus. They led him away and handed him over to Pilate. So what they want is for Pilate to cast a, uh, a decision for him to be, to, to, to be killed. Pilate usually res, resided in Caesarea, but it was his custom on the, on the feast days. He would come to Jerusalem. He would hold court early in the morning. So early in the morning, Pilate is already ready, waiting for new people to be brought to him. And so Pilate asks the question because you only bring somebody who's uh, causing some problems. Verse 2. Pilate says, are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. In order for Pilate to call down a a conviction of him, he would have to be guilty of insurrection of some kind of causing rebellion. And Jesus claims to be the king of the Jews, and Jews were to have no king but Caesar, so they've got him. Only what Jesus says when he's the king of the Jews is nowhere near what everyone else is thinking. So the Sanhedrin, they are going crazy. They're trying to convince Pilate that he's guilty of a capital crime of claiming to be a king when there should be no other king other than Caesar. They think he's worthy of death. And if you read John in uh, in the Gospel of John you discover that Pilate numerous times said, I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him. You hear Pilate numerous times trying to get away from it, but we find out that he's willing to be content to contend with the people and give them what they want. Pilate did not ask, is it right? He asked, is it safe? Is it popular? That's why... I would say almost every Sunday we we say truth is found in God's word. Read God's word. Read it and align your life to scripture. What is the right thing to do? What is the true thing? Pilate sends sends Jesus to Herod, hoping that Herod will, will do the dirty deed for him. And sure enough, Herod sends him back. And so he sends him back. Uh, to Pilate. Mark 15, verse 6. Now, it was the custom at the feast to replace a prisoner with whom people requested. So, they're going to let somebody go free. A man called Barabbas, notice he was in prison with the insurrectionists who'd committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. 
knowing it was out of envy that the chief priests had handed Jesus over to them. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews, Pilate said. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. The governor, Pilate, gives them an option. Barabbas, who's guilty of murder, is just one bad guy. And Jesus. And he thinks, Pilate thinks that surely sanity is going to prevail. But they ask for Barabbas to be released. Verse 15. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged, handed him over to be crucified. Just a reminder, the night before... Jesus was betrayed by Judas. He was disowned by Peter. He was arrested by the temple guard. He was beat, beaten. He was spat upon. He was humiliated. The next morning, he's led before Pilate, and now he endures a Roman flogging, which a flogging was a whip that contained numerous leather straps. Tied to the leather straps were sharp bones and lead balls, and they would whip the person, and it would wrap around the body, then they'd just yank it back revealing the skeletal muscles and the, the, the balls creating contusions. That's not all. Verse 16. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and they called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him. They twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. They began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews. And again, and again, they struck him on the head with the staff. They spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they mocked him, they took off the purple robe, yanks it off, put on his own clothes on him, And they led him to to crucify him. Why did Jesus come? Jesus' future is not a surprise to him. In the garden, a couple nights before in the garden, he prays and he says, Father, if there's any way this cup can pass for me, anyway, he knew what was coming. He knew what his job description was. And yet he prays, Father, not my will, but your will be done. His capture, his trial, his, his death is not going to be a profound personal defeat. It's not going to be a failure of God's plan. It was not a triumph of the, infinite, of the enemy. It is a complete success of God's plan. Get your head around that. The crucifixion was a complete success of God's plan. Tony Evans puts it, puts it this way. From before his first breath, the plan was that Jesus would enter this broken world, suffer its brokenness, live a completely perfect life in every way, and then die on that cross. There simply was no other way. 
his job description because he's pursuing you, he's pursuing me. 1 Peter 2.22 says, He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Entrusting himself. And even at this point, some, you, you may feel judged in some way unjustly. And yet, it says he entrusted himself to the one who judges. He himself bore our sins in his body on that tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. For by his wounds you've been healed. For you are like sheep going astray, but each of you have returned to the shepherd, the overseer of your souls. Warren Wearsley put it this way, Jesus would die for the sins of the very people who were crucifying him. Wow. Romans 5, 8. While we were still in the act of sinning, Christ died for us. So they led him out to be crucified, which is the ultimate physical torture that the Romans had. They borrowed crucifixion, learned it from the Persians, and they, they embraced it for the worst, of, worst of, of people. It was designed to produce maximum pain. In fact, the word excruciating, and I don't use that word very often for this very reason. The word excruciating literally means out of the cross. Jesus goes through all of this for us. Listen to this prophecy. 700 years before the physical birth of Jesus. Isaiah 53. Who's believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance as we should desire him. Jesus was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities, he carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Personalize it. Make it personal. He was pierced for my transgressions. He was crushed for my sins. The punishment that brought me peace was upon him. And by his wounds I am healed. All of us like sheep. We've gone astray Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Let's say that this represents all my sins, and I'm carrying around, and here's Jesus says, he laid on Jesus all of our sins, which gives us freedom, makes us right with God when we give our heart to Jesus Christ. 
He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and a sheep before his shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By, his, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. This is what our Savior was appointed to do for you. Don't fly through that this week. For you, for me. This was the only way forgiveness could be granted. This is the only way eternal life would be offered to us is through what Jesus did for us. He suffered the unthinkable so we could experience the unreachable. Okay, I've got good, bad news and good news. Let's go to the bad news. The cross is bad news. For each of us, because the cross, there's something fundamentally broken inside us. And the cross reveals that the greatest danger in our lives is to be found inside us, not outside us. The problem is not with other people. The problem is found within us, that we all have sin. And we need to be confessed people who say, I I give my life to you. Sin distorts, it separates. No one is, an exempt, is exempt from this. The Bible says for all of sin and for the wage, the outcome of sin is death, separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Don't fly through this this week. Jesus, what he went through, it was his divine appointment. It was his agenda to die for you and for me. The cross is good news. The cross tells us that God is willing to do whatever is necessary to fix what sin has broken. What amazing news that Jesus came for us. So I'd like to ask you all to respond. Jesus knows your heart. And... I would like you to respond in this way, that we we would read this together in just a moment. Jesus, right now, I choose to trust you with all of my life. I've tried to make life work apart from you, and it's not working. And my life is full of sin. I can't do enough good on my own. I admit that because of my sin, I need hope. So here I am. I lay my past, my present, my future wide open before you. Thank you for giving your life for me, paying the full balance of my shortcomings by dying on the cross and rising from the grave. I trust you with my life. For some of you, this may be the very first time that you've ever opened your life to Christ. And as you pray this, just pray this prayer saying, Jesus, I I give my life to you. For many of us who are already followers of Jesus and our salvation is secure, this prayer can just be an exclamation mark saying, this is what I committed to and this is what I'm still committed to and this is how I want to live my life. I want to trust you with my life. So open hands, please. It's hard to receive something with 
a hand closed. And let's read this prayer together aloud. Jesus, right now, I choose to trust you with all of my life. I've tried to make life work apart from you, and it's not working. My life is full of sin, and I can't do enough good on my own. I admit that because of my sin, I need hope. So here I am. I lay my past, present, and future wide open before you. Thank you for giving your life for me, paying the full balance of my shortcomings by dying on the cross and rising from the grave. I trust you with my life. If you prayed this prayer for the first time, would you please let us know if you're uh, in-house, there's a prayer card, just, just leave, leave us your name and a way to contact. We would love to talk to you about what it means to, to continue to follow Jesus. For those of you online, there's a place for you to, to talk and uh, to let us know that you've made that decision. Father, I pray that you will be honored this week. I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you Whatever you want to say to us, that we would hear it, and we wouldn't just listen to your word, but we would do what it says. Father, I, I pray for uh, this, this week leading up to uh, Easter. Father, may we be overwhelmed. May our hearts be stirred once again for all that you went through with, for us. And we give thanks, and I pray this in Jesus' name.